You're listening to the Man Overseas Podcast, a show that explores methods and ideas to help you live a bigger life. You will hear interesting stories of how people live, how they save and invest their money, and why having time wealth is better than being a billionaire. If you are entertained, educated, or elevated, be sure to hit the subscribe button. We're just getting started. Now here is your host, Brad D'Antonio. Hi, friends. I'm bringing back to the podcast a listener favorite. You're in for a treat, and I appreciate you being here. His name is Mr. Matthew Ori. He embodies what this show is about. In fact, we recorded When Pain Becomes Power almost a year ago, and he is still getting messages from listeners saying how much they were positively impacted. His message was one of optimism and mental toughness, and I love it. If you're entertained, educated, or elevated by this podcast, I want you here every 10 days. We're going to release an episode where we aim to do at least one of those three things for you. So Matt's back for a second round. If you're taking a stroll around the neighborhood or social distancing on your couch, if you will please join me in throwing a deuce in the air, I get real excited about round two. I don't know about you. So let's get him up. Round two, get him up. <laughs> I do this a lot. When it's round two at my house, like if I'm getting a second cup of coffee at 9 a.m. or I get a second plate at dinner time, I let Lady O know by throwing two fingers up and she'll say round two. <laughs> but it's not the, the two fingers you might think. I'm not throwing a peace sign. I'm not a young girl in Asia getting my picture taken. It's the two fingers that you would flash if you were a second baseman letting the outfielders know how many outs there are. So that's how we call for round two. Before I bring Matt on, I want to say that our thoughts and prayers go out to all of those who are directly affected by this awful virus. As I said last week, special thank you to medical professionals. I truly hope that when sports start up again, that we stand to applaud medical professionals as well as our military. You guys and gals, if you're listening, which you're probably not because you're so busy, you guys are our heroes and we can't thank you enough. A little about Matt. He is an attorney and real estate investor. He's also recently gotten interested in the equities markets. So we talk about investing through this difficult time. Matt starts by telling us how passionate he is, or I should say you can tell how passionate he is about our media and how they're portraying this pandemic. He doesn't think they're giving us the entire truth, and I tend to agree with him. So you'll hear some piece of his mind in terms of the media holding back what he thinks is important information for us to know. You'll also hear Matt tell a story about someone who's close to him who when he talks about him he gets goosebumps and I think that's really cool too. We both view these unprecedented times as a serious opportunity for growth. Surprise, surprise. So you'll hear us talk about Mamba mentality. We'll decipher self-inflicted stress from anxiety and how to become anti-fragile in the process. Also, Matt wouldn't want this sort of acknowledgement, but I'm going to give it to him anyway. He's been incredibly generous to his local community down in South Louisiana. He has done some really cool things for the school we attended, especially the athletics department. So I was able to attend a couple of baseball games before the season was cut short last month, and the baseball facility looks fantastic. Nichols State is quickly becoming a hotbed for top baseball and football talent, and it's really cool to see. I've also seen where he is supporting local businesses just about every day on Instagram. He's doing giveaways and other little things to spotlight those who can use a little boost during this difficult time. So I'm a proud friend for all the philanthropy that he's doing down there. 
and it's inspired me. So I'm going to do a little giveaway myself. It'll help to support uh, the winners of this giveaway through this tough time. It's a Rouse's gift card. In fact, I'm going to do three of them, totaling $500. What you need to do to win, uh, three things. So one, you subscribe to the Man Overseas podcast on Apple Podcasts. So you must be a subscriber to win. That's number one. The second thing you need to do is follow Man Overseas and AMO Title Services on Instagram. That's two separate accounts, Man Overseas and AMO Title Services on Instagram. Then you must comment on the Instagram post for this episode. It's going to be a picture of Laurel Valley Plantation in Thibodeau. That's it. Those are the three things you need to do. Subscribe, follow us, and comment on the Instagram post. That way we know that you are participating in the contest. I don't care what you say. You can tag a friend. You can say hello. Just make sure that you comment under the picture of Laurel Valley Plantation in Thibodeau. On Saturday, I'll shoot a video of all the entries going into a hat, and then Lady Overseas will draw three big winners. So look for the video in my Instagram stories on Saturday. Without saying further ado, let's bring Matt on. Matt, welcome back. Good to see you, Brad, especially under these unusual circumstances and tough times. It's really good to see friends. Um especially right now. Likewise, my man. And just for you listeners, we are keeping our distance. Matt is at least six feet from me right now. And we're recording in Thibodeau, Louisiana. And uh, some of the conversations that Matt and I have had recently have revolved around some of the information we're getting from media. And Matt is, has been quite critical. And I thought, you know, this is something that we should talk about. I think people need to hear it. What is it right now that is bothering you most about what we're being told by the media? Well, man, first, I'm not dodging your question, but I want to preface this by saying this is a extremely very difficult for me right now. I, I've essentially quarantined my thoughts. People very close to me on the front lines of this, which I have the utmost respect for. I am not insensationalizing or unsensationalizing anyone who tragically will or has died from COVID-19. I get very offended when people don't speak the entire truth or they spin facts in an attempt to spin facts. Republican, Democrat, it really doesn't matter to me, but I, I, it, it's something that bothers me tremendously. It's bothering me right now. I'm gonna tell you what I read today. First thing I wake up, and you know what I hear? First headline, Louisiana COVID-19 grew faster than anywhere. And I'm thinking to myself, well, where's the rest of this? Why is this surprising to anyone? Okay, why is it surprising? Or why isn't it surprising to me? Of course we have Mardi Gras, but there's a whole underlying set of facts here that no one wants to talk about. It's not ironic that every year when the bottom two or three, when you see a headline that says United States, most unhealthy states, guess who wins? Louisiana. You know what the underlying issues there are typically? Always where we fail and we're in the bottom three, obesity, heart disease, diabetes. Think about that. This is not ironic why this is happening. Then you compound that with the biggest celebration in the United States. This was the perfect storm. And again, this is I'm not saying no one's everyone who's affected by this. Believe me, they've got my prayers. But this is not a surprise, man. We've got to use this as an opportunity to capitalize in the future to show people this is the time to now say, damn, we've got to do something about our health. That's a major underlying issue here. That's a great point. It is an ugly disease and people are hurting economically and concerned about their health. 
I had an ER doctor that was supposed to be on two days ago, and he canceled at the last minute because some of the nurses where he worked were putting out incorrect information on social media. And so they were warned not to do podcasts, not to do social media. And that's sad because he was going to give a lot of helpful information to people specifically around what you can do to keep yourself healthy, what foods and, and vitamins you need to ensure that you're getting right now. And now he can't do it because of somebody's mishap online. And so that was really discouraging. Also, I was going to have a, a pharmacist buddy of mine on the podcast. He got the same notice from his hospital saying that they couldn't do this sort of thing. And it's unfortunate because we need that information. So here are you and me, not in the medical profession, but we certainly have some ideas on how to get your mental health right, how to get your financial life in order. Unfortunately, the, the media is telling us that people who are otherwise healthy are dying, but that we know that's not true. You find out after the fact that they had diabetes or they had bronchitis and they weren't taking care of themselves. It's pretty simple, man. Lead a healthier life. And if you do, your chances of surviving things like this will be better. Statistics speak. This is, this is so easy to see. It's not just crazy that the state that is always dead last in health in every statistic is the hotbed. Mm. Why is this a surprise to anyone? And it's, I'll tell you what it has done to me is to show me how ill-prepared we are for such a serious thing, as this is. But then I start thinking, I'm going, well, man, hold on. Why are we discounting the fact that in 2018, we had 1,400 deaths from the flu? The baseline average of flu in Louisiana was 3.8%. Take a wild guess at what it was for the rest of the United States. It was one and a half. History never lies. Unfortunately for us, history was 48 months ago. It, that, that this is not ironic. I'm going to use that word a lot. This is very calculated almost. I don't know why anybody's surprised about this. Why didn't they look at this in 2018 and say, guys, we could have a serious problem on our hands. And I don't know why we didn't hear about one single flu death then. You know, and if we're looking nationally, I, I, China, you know, that's obviously what we hear about all the time. Have you, how many times were in the media that China's population was 1.56 billion people with a B? Never. And if you do the math, everybody's looking at an infection rate, and that's how you get a mortality rate. Well, that's completely inaccurate because, let's just face it, most people don't even know they have it. Number two, if I was in China, I would be looking at two statistics. If I lived in China when this started and I was still there, I would want to know the, the amount of death. And I want to divide that by the total population. And if you do that on your calculator, and it's somewhere around 3,800, and divide it by 1.56 billion people, your chance of death is probably better. Maybe you have a better chance of winning the lottery. That was never portrayed that way, though. I don't know if globally we reached this, the 61,000 or 62,000 that died in 2018. We, that's yet to be determined. I'm not convinced of that yet. And suppose it goes higher, 30,000 higher. In the grand scheme of things, how, how large is that? And then, of course, you get into the situation where what else are you comparing it to? And, and you know, you're going to compare it to, to cancer victims. Well, you're damn right I will. Because my brother was 42. And I, I don't get, you know, it is what it is. That was life. That was his that was the choice um, that the, the man up above made. And I'm good with that. But I'm also confused why that's not a epidemic that 620, um, excuse me, 650,000 people die a year of cancer, 660,000 die a year of heart disease. No one talks about 2018. 
No one talks about the amount of people overdosing as if that's not an epidemic right now. You know, just overdosing on narcotics. It's this is I don't understand. And all I can think of is this has to be based on an election. And then and then I, I, my mental for me, I'm mentally torn because I'm going, damn, Matt, are you being I, I don't want to come off as um, unsympathetic because that's not it at all. I got some damn good friends that are in there every day. My dad's 81 years old. He's still a practicing physician four and a half days a week. I think the disease started here because of the high density population in New Orleans during Mardi Gras. That's probably how it got here. And you're right. There's overall an unhealthy population here. And so it's going to spread. And you and I are business people. We're investors. So we're going to think probabilistically. And I'm just like you. I grab a calculator and I'm like, holy shit, a one in a million chance of dying, really? Is that why we're shutting down our economy? And the media would, of course, always take something that is negative and that is killing people, regardless of the portion of the population that's being impacted, and try to blow it out of proportion and scare us. The, the media is in the scaremongering uh, business. Some of the things that I've seen on Facebook is uh, people who are talking about getting checks from the government and getting excited about that. Have you seen any of that lately? I have. And it's absolutely disgusting to me as if, you know, it's they're quick to say that, but then I won't vote for Trump. That's not going to make me vote for him. This has nothing to do with Donald Trump, man, or or anybody or Joe Biden, for that matter. Anyone. I don't I don't for me, at least. Let me preface that. It may actually have a lot to do with all these, you know, anybody politically involved. But I'm, I'm mind blown saying that's what comes out of your mouth. I would be saying thank you. I saw one the other day who put on there who's referencing uh, this still ain't going to make me vote for Trump. And I'm thinking you hadn't had a job in seven years. But I didn't get on Facebook and say that, you know, the things I'm seeing, it, it, it's driving me crazy. And people want to exploit the one person who's 38 and who passes away. That sucks, man. And that is freaking tragic. But that is not the norm. And that is not the exception. And I, I, I don't understand why that's being sensationalized and and. On every feed you see, yet that's the only one you can find. Why didn't you put about the 90,000 who didn't know or the 72,000 that recovered or the 95 year old that just walked out of the hospital discharged? You don't see that. You're not going to see that. You're going to find the one picture where it looks like total chaos in Italy. No different than in Baltimore with riding. When you have to take an aerial drone and zoom in, because if you took it out of the whole city, you'd notice it was all in one little block. But if you turn on the news... Well, it looked like you couldn't walk in Baltimore and Baltimore was on fire. That's not true. That's not true at all. That was a completely inaccurate depiction of what was going on at the time. And this is what I'm saying about here. The underlying fear being installed is going to end up blowing the doors off this economy if they're not careful. And I don't mean that in a good way. And that's what that's what's concerning here. And you have you can still be very realistic. You can still state the dire situation. You can still be sympathetic and you can tell people, listen to every order, take precaution, quarantine properly. I get all that. I have not dispute about that. If anything, I'm kind of mad at myself for not knowing how exposed you actually could be to this, because I agree. I've learned a lot about this. I've washed my hands a hell of a lot more than I ever have. But at the same time, to depict your message accurately, truthfully, sincerely and state everything. Don't scare the piss out of people. You remind them out of those 3,800 that died in China, the other 1.5 billion are still alive and well. You tell them that they're up and running. You tell them the thermal imaging says they're almost 98% at capacity right now. 
That's not being displayed, and it's very frustrating. And now we're picking on Louisiana, and we are the worst. It's going to be. Per capita, we're going to win. I promise you that here. And it's sad to say. That shouldn't shock you, man. It shouldn't. That's where we are. That's, what, that's, that's the state we live in. Health statistics do not lie. They will never lie. And in 2018, if that number, 3.8% 3, 3 is your baseline, and that national average is 1.5, if that didn't alarm you, you got a problem. That speaks volumes, dude. Why? And it's happening again right now. We live in a clickbait world, too. There was a, an article about a 39-year-old woman. They found a, a picture of her sporting a little cleavage, looking cute, and decided to put that on the front page of the New Orleans Picayune. And they said that she had been tested for COVID-19. And the way that they positioned it was, and she hadn't yet received her results, and she was found dead by her boyfriend. Correct. She had just died the previous day, and that was the headline. They had no other information than that she had been tested for the for the virus. It was clear to see that that was clickbait, and people are going to share that on Facebook, and it scares the shit out of everybody. So you're absolutely right. We're only getting half the story, and it's incumbent on us to dig further, and hopefully by you and I sharing what we think it's it's bringing hope to people and optimism because probabilistically you have a very very small chance of catching this virus and and, and you need to keep your odds down by practicing social distancing yep. we were in a very good spot economically when this thing came on so we'll ramp up very quickly so for those of us who are investors this sort of thing happens about once a decade. Investing is mostly psychological. So if you can maintain your poise and you're a student of history, you realize that there's some opportunity here. But first, you've got to make sure that you've got an emergency fund in place. That way your family is well taken care of. But if you have a strong cash position, now is the time to start deploying it. Are you at a point now where you're starting to invest some of, of your cash? I've taken this opportunity to figure out some things and diversify my portfolio looking at the situation here saying this is awful but how can i how can i improve better how can i financially improve what can i take from this whole thing so i've jumped into uh, the stock market to where literally probably in the last two weeks my eyeballs hurt i'm getting headaches i can't get my hands off of the content and the way i've positioned i've boiled it down to is figuring out very quickly to mirror Warren Buffett um, as best as I can and basically keep a simple approach and get greedy when others are fearful and be fearful when others are greedy. And the way I've got to capitalize on that now is I found an index fund that mirrors the S&P 500 called SPY, the ticker is SPY. You can actually trade it. And it gives you a little taste of or a little portion of the whole S&P, essentially. And it's just mirroring it. So what I've done there is I started at the position of $252. And then if it went down $10, I position again and down position again, and down another 10 position again. So I put my toe in the water and kept going down, not knowing where a bottom is. I mean, no one can predict that, but at least I don't feel like I got left out. Here, I think the lesson I've learned to be critical or be mindful of not trying to hit a home run and just stick with companies with solid financials and they're plush with cash that are just a perfect storm right now or suffering from that storm of Saudi Arabia, Russia, and COVID-19. Otherwise, they would be ticking along just fine. And now you're getting them at a 50, 40, 60, 70, 20, some, some type of discount that we may never see again. I don't know if it's generational. 
I don't know if it's per decade. I have no clue. But for me, and at the position at this point in my life, this is going to be my first good opportunity, if history simply doesn't lie, to get in. So that's one positive I've taken from a very terrible situation that I think overall is going to improve. I've gambled uh, with a few stocks, but by gambling, I guess it's calculated. Some of the bigger names, things that are, again, strong financials that you can make a couple of dollars on in the long run. But my goal is to put it there and let that sucker marinate and not look at it again for 20 years, uh, maybe longer, if I'm fortunate enough to live that long. So that's just one way that I've found to take a bad situation and um, make myself better from it. Love that. I agree with you. Do not try to pick the bottom. But if you have a strong cash position, you can slowly deploy some of that into the market or save up to buy a piece of real estate during this downturn because this, to me, is different from 2008, 2009 in that we can see past it. We still have the fundamentals of our economy are still strong. We still have all the ingenuity and creativity that we've, that we've had for a long time. When you travel the world, one of the things you realize is that America is hyper productive. We get a lot of dignity and meaning from being productive and providing value to other people. We're going to come back. The economy is going to come back. If nothing, if nothing else, this should serve as an eye-opener that if you don't have a strong cash position, at least the next time this happens, because this is about a once-in-a-decade event from an investor's perspective, at least you can start positioning yourself now for when this happens again. Because... They say history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. I remember when I was working in 08 and we cut 25% of our workforce, one of the things that I was told was, you don't have anything to worry about in terms of my job. And he told me the reason was because you work your ass off. If you're providing more value to your employer than what you cost, they're going to have a hard time getting rid of you. So be the, become the type of person and start now, if you're not already doing this, that you do more than what is expected of you as an investment in your own future. I would look at right now as a time to shine. If you're one of the few in your office or you're working from home, you get an opportunity to prove to your employer that you're the type of person that can conduct themselves in a way that improves the business without oversight. That means you don't need a boss breathing down your neck telling you what to do. How are, how are your employees viewing this time right now? Well, I got goosebumps when you said that because I felt the same way. What a, what a way to gauge an employee. Instead of waiting you know, for an employee sitting there waiting for a bulletin to come out saying everything's canceled, these girls want to work. They're not once saying, oh, we're off. Not one girl out of our two different offices has one said, I'm not coming. We told them, you do not have to show up. You will not be penalized. Your pay will not be cut. It will never be frowned upon. We get it. But colors are shining right now, and our girls are taking all precaution and taking the opportunity to get things done that we normally can't when we're running and gunning in court. Well, now we're there. We've been able to clean up our social media pages. We've been able to update our websites. The, the little things that matter tremendously, there's so much time to do that. And we're able to work with our insurance adjusters right now who are home and we're settling many more cases than we normally could right now because we have a little more time to actually be in there. But employees are speaking loud and clear right now, at least for us, where we know we have a bunch of savages. They are not looking for a free pass. They've been told you do not have to show up. They've been told you will be paid. And you truly and we would not penalize. We have some awesome girls and we wouldn't. They're all there. 
every single one of them is there. Is that, That's amazing because I get a lot of calls from other people going, God, they, my boys can't wait to go. That's cool. Hey, look, each his own. But I'm a firm believer of surrounding yourself with, with like-minded people. I'm not looking to go home, man. I'm looking to take this time to, to do things that people aren't doing because I know they're not. This is not a vacation. You let yourself mentally get relaxed, you're going to fall back. We're not doing that. We're just remaining positive again by understanding the very serious nature of what we're dealing with. Taking as much caution as we possibly can, but our girls are shining right now, and I am freaking proud of it, I can tell you that. I think in hindsight, this portion of the year 2020 will be viewed as a reset where those who are ambitious and want to level themselves up really were able to differentiate themselves during this time because we are all given the same amount of time every day, 24 hours, and how you spend those hours, how you allocate your time means everything to the success of your life. It's a great time to sit down and think and reflect on what it is that you've been doing, what it is that you are going to do now, and and how you see your future. And you start writing out some plans for how it is that you you want your life to, to look like in five, ten years. We're all given an opportunity to do that right now. And I think it's pretty awesome. Um, get your mental health in order. Get your physical health in order. So the person who has high anxiety can't do that much for other people, right? Because they're going to be, self, they're going to be self-consumed. Because the anxiety-ridden is generally fearful of the future. So this is a perfect time to sit with yourself and get control of your mind because what you realize when you sit for 15 minutes alone with yourself with your phone in the other room you might realize that your mind is out of control and if you can't stand to be alone with yourself how do you think that other people are going to feel spending time with you and your mind so so get your mind under control and there are a lot of techniques to do this through meditation and prayer and but this is the perfect opportunity when you're forced to be at home to Get used to being in solitude and get a hold of your mind so that you can help other people. I see you've read The Compound Effect by uh, Mr. Darren Horty. It's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, very apparent. That's what it looks like to me. I haven't, but I'm all about The Compound Effect. Wait, but, you know, you, you pointed something with fear and opportunity, and they kind of coincide right here. For me, this was my opportunity. I swear to you that my eyeballs... Are suffering right now and Stephanie could tell you the same thing anybody's been around me a lot in the last two weeks I can't get my eyes off of the market because it's so new to me and it's such it's another it's another added value to the portfolio and I'm seeing the importance of it and right now you know the sharks they smell blood and there is blood in the water right now the opportunity there what does Warren Buffett always preach be greedy when others are fearful that's correct and be fearful when others are greedy well, right now, people are fearful, man, and he's right. I've just watched it. We've invested in it, and, and numbers are climbing drastically. Can they go back down? Sure. But just like you touched on earlier, these are companies suffering from nothing other than the perfect storm of COVID-19, Saudi Arabia, and Russia. Now, as quickly as that storm is brewed, it can dissipate, just like every bad storm does. If you think there's not going to be negotiations very soon, with certain countries, you have lost your mind. That's just common sense. You don't need to know foreign economics. I don't know foreign economics. But what I do know is that Shell is owned by the Saudis, and the Permian Basin is not going to put up with that. And at some point, they're going to say, you want to import here, guys? Here's what it's going to cost you. 
And we're going to take that money and we're going to put it to certain places within the oil field. And if that all happens at the same time, and this comes under control because it's going to get worse, there's no question about it. We're on the front end right now. You're going to rise and you can be optimistic and still be very sincere at the same time. You know what I mean? You can mm-hmm. still be sympathetic, but you've got to remain. You've got to find opportunity in everything. And, and damn it, if I get ridiculed for that, so what? I don't care. But I'm going to spin it to you the way that I want to spin it with full, entire truth, with no political party involved whatsoever. That is meaningless to me. And at the same time, praying for every person who's at the hospital, who's got to deal with this every day, including my 81-year-old father, who looks at this as an opportunity. Can't wait to get back in the office. There is no complaining. He does not feel like a mortar. He feels like he's there to do his job and grateful that he was chosen at some point by someone to do this job. You know what I mean? And that's the attitude. That's the true American spirit here. Let's do it. Let's get down. And there he is. But this is I get goosebumps talking about this because it's such a crazy time in so many so many facets that we've never experienced before. And um, I just haven't been and I will not be scared off by this thing, no matter what. And I'm going to still pray for other people and I'm I'm going to take every life seriously. But I'm going to keep moving forward no matter what. It doesn't matter. The quality of your life is determined by your interpretation of events. And so as this is coming on, you get to decide how to interpret how it impacts you and how it impacts your life. So I can see from what you're saying that you are understanding of the negative that people are going to get sick and die. But you also see the positive side. And some people aren't capable, unfortunately, of holding those competing thoughts in their head and wrestling with them. But it sounds like you have. And so I'm always encouraging people, there are ways to practice to be able to do this. So one of the things that meditation does, and I don't mean to be one of those people that wears religion or spirituality on my sleeve, but one of the things that enables you to do is recognize the difference between thought and feeling. So anxiety is sensations in your body. When you feel anxious, that is something that can be recognized and, and it's, it's a meta skill that you develop over time, but you say, oh, that's a feeling. And then you have a thought and you say, oh, that's a thought. And so you can separate the two, thought and feeling. Many people are conflating their thoughts with their feelings, but just like going to the gym and doing reps and getting stronger, you can, you can fortify your mind and your emotional intelligence to where when you begin to feel anxious, that's energy. And you can recognize that energy and transmute that energy toward productive ends. So if you watch little children playing in the grass, which I did yesterday, this little two-year-old kid had no idea that COVID-19 was a thing. He was entirely present state focused, smiling and laughing and running up the levee doing sprints with me. And what it made me realize is this kid has no anxiety about the future. He doesn't have tons of memories that he's brooding over constantly thinking, oh, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. He's got a present state mind. He is fully engaged in what he was doing. And then when we were done, it still hurts me to to say this. I had to, he came up to me for a hug and I couldn't hug him. I backed up and I, I said, social distancing, but it was a special little moment. Everybody that I've had on the podcast has enjoyed it. And they say one of the reasons is because it enables you to shut everything out. There's no, 
There's no phone. There's no Facebook. There's, there's nothing going on except what you're engaged in right now. And that's, that's present state awareness. And I'm telling you that that can be cultivated. And when you can do that, you're going to be more effective in your life. And when you're more effective, you're more successful. When you're more successful, guess what? You're going to surround yourself with even more successful people because you're going to attract what you become. And so you become a successful person, you attract yourself to successful people, and then guess what? The rich get richer. So if you want an idea of how the rich get richer, it's largely because they've developed their aptitudes in the areas of mental health, physical health, emotional intelligence. But this is a, pr a prime opportunity for everyone listening, if you're feeling any anxiety at all, to sit with your thoughts, allow yourself to feel those feelings, and learn to separate those feelings from your thoughts and then take those feelings and transmute it into positive energy. I've talked about this as it pertains to sexual energy. If you're a young man listening, we all get horny, right? If you waste, every time you get horny, if you waste it, it's gone forever. But what if you took that sexual energy and transmuted it and went to the gym or grabbed a book in your highlighter and got really intensely focused on what was in front of you? That's how people become successful is they, they recognize when they feel something and they utilize that energy toward productive ends. And that's, that's how you need to look at things is, is there's a negative side and we pray for those people, but there's also a positive side. And that's what Matt and I are here to bring you today. In everything, in every situation. And that is what frustrates me. And this is not doomsday. I had a friend text me the other day and it was on and on. Good friend of mine. He said, gosh, you know, we're going to get drilled. I said, yeah, we will. But that is another sensationalized message. The world's not ending. We're going to be back. And what you don't know is, is what the, you know, the stimulus package, what that actually entails. Yes, businesses, you see them right now, but now it's going to inject businesses with more cash than they've ever had at a lower interest rate than they could ever obtain. I know this. It is currently being voted on as we speak. You know, there's an SBA 7A loan for Corona specific. All right. Or it is Corona specific. This is going to give a mechanism. I'm, I have a landlord. You think I'm not going to have people who aren't going to pay me? But see, that what they don't know is, well, guess what? The banks are saying, hey, Matt, for three months in your commercial properties, you can defer your loan. And then the businesses who can't pay it, they're going to get relief in the form of a loan. But once the SBA approves from an accounting standpoint, or, or they approve to the SBA from an accounting standpoint, these were used for certain expenses, rent, payroll, et cetera, guess what? That, that loan as being voted on as you and I sit here, which is undoubtedly going to be approved in about an hour, it turns into a grant. So now the flip side you didn't see of this is they just got two, and this will last eight weeks, they're going to have two months essentially of being able to profit on every dang thing that they sold. And when you look at it that way, you sort of go on, damn, did they make money on this? Not only did they not stay alive, but every dollar they made is now a profit. And in the future... If I've got a commercial loan that is a significant number and that interest rate goes from five and a half to three point seven five, do you understand these numbers now? The capital that opens up is tremendous. It's mind blowing. So instead of crying over here, I'm looking at every opportunity to scour what I can about every piece of assistance from my tenants to give them the information saying, guys, I've, I've got them texting me already. Can, I, can, can you help? Can we postpone this? You're damn right I'm going to help you. And you're going to help yourself by looking at this website, talking to this bank, and the difference here with the SBA um, guidelines that you're going to see coming out here, they're going to partner with local banks. 
So the process will not near be as tedious. If you've ever dealt with one before, it's a nightmare. It won't be here. It's actually extremely loose. Hopefully people legitimately give them the correct information. They do not commit any type of fraud and just give them your payroll, give them your rent, give them your interest payment on your mortgage. It's all going to be reimbursed. And guess what? It's not going to be a loan. It's going to be in a grant. You never pay it back. So think about that for a second. But you didn't hear that one time yet. All you heard, the world was ending. No, it's not. It is not going to end. If anything, programs like that demonstrate that in America, we have incredible safety nets and it should nudge you a little bit to take more calculated risk next time around. We're not going to, nobody's going to let you fall on your face here. No. We're, we're going to band together and figure this thing out. They don't have that in other countries. You can travel to other countries in the world and realize very quickly that they're not as willing to help each other out. There's not as much lending and banding together. And I'm afraid a lot of the reason is because people rely too heavily on the government. They think, well, why am I going to be charitable to my neighbor when the government, that's what the government's for, is to take care of people. We're not like that. Um, but the government sets up a safety net in case you need an SBA loan. And so if, I'm a, if I own a small business and I know that that's a possibility, shit, I'm, I'm probably going to take a little more risk. Headline just comes across, and we have now our 7,000th uh, death over or at 7,000 in Italy. So I take the opportunity to do a quick search because it talks about the bodies that are piling up. And again, I'm not being insincere. I'm just quoting a headline. But with that being said, I'm looking now and I see that last year 175,741 people died of cancer in Italy. So my question is, where were those bodies being piled up and why did we never hear about them? That is the headline that offends me. 7,000, it's an astronomical number. It's awful. It sucks. But you're making it sound like this is World War II and we're in Normandy. And that, that's, that's not what's going on there, man. And it's very frustrating because look at, do the math. And it, this doesn't make any sense to me. 175,000 alone in Italy. And we're talking about the body count there. Just, man, and maybe I'm not ca comparing um, apples to apples here, but that's very frustrating to me to, to see these because it doesn't seem right. It's a clickbait world and fear-mongering sells, unfortunately. Um, you've been to Italy, correct? I just got back from Italy. And so I'm glad you said that. You know what I took, took from this? Italy, you get there, and it, it, is, it is awesome. There's really no other way I can describe it. It's one of my favorite places I've ever been. But... Venice in particular, there's a headline that comes out. And when you look at it, the, all, the, all the, the waterway system, that's their, that's their corridor. There are no cars. And I do mean no cars. If an ambulance comes, it's in a, uh, it's in a boat. If a taxi comes, the taxi's in a boat. But that water was very brown. You know, it's still beautiful, don't get me wrong. But it's not like you went there and it was this pristine cobalt blue water. Well, there was no wildlife there. There's no, uh, the, the fishery wasn't there. All of a sudden, the headline the other day speaks, and, and you really, this one got buried. But if you haven't been, you wouldn't understand. All of a sudden, all the rivers are clear. The fish are returned. The swans are back. The ducks are back. China comes out with an article saying because of this virus, 77,000 people were saved due to lack of pollution from that short period of time. Think about that. That didn't make national news, did it? But it sure makes sense. Nobody talked about it. If you're looking for books that would generate some optimism in your life, I would read Matt Ridley's The Rational Optimist, and there's another book called Factfulness that just came out recently. 
they will both make you want to invest in emerging markets because those areas of the world that are behind us, as soon as they start getting comfortable with technology, there is a lot of opportunity for boom. And I'm talking about areas like sub-Saharan Africa or Indonesia. There's a lot of room for growth. If you're looking for an emerging market fund to invest in, I don't recommend funds, but Vanguard has one called, or the ticker symbol is VWO, and it gives you an opportunity to get some exposure to companies like Alibaba and Tencent. Those are, I think, the biggest holdings in that account. But anyway, just since you said it, I thought I would mention that. In the episode we did last time, it was called When Pain Becomes Power. Very popular episode, by the way. Number three. Yeah, it was actually the third most popular episode. But, you know, they say that they say that when something like that comes out, a podcast or a blog post, it takes about a year to get to half as many listens as it's going to have in its life. So it hasn't even been a year yet, if that makes sense. So let's say you had 10,000 listens. If you get to a year and you've got 15,000 listens, then in all likelihood, you're going to have 30,000 listens in total. Gotcha. Yeah, so those are the stats that I've seen. But I'm curious, what kind of feedback did you get from that episode? A lot. <laughs> it was, I still get it today. The side messing that was going on, I didn't realize how. Um, it's, it's just hard for me to comprehend how people don't wake up just looking to dominate. You know what I mean? That's just unfathomable to me. I'm not here to lose. And... I'm fascinated at the amount of people who don't look at things like that. And, and who knows if that's the right way or not. It's just my way. Um, but the side messaging was some stuff got deep, man. People talking about attempted suicide and how this helped them and how they combat their day. It was I would have never, ever expected that. And truly, I didn't know what the hell was going on with a lot of other people. And it helped me connect with a few other people, too, that are still to this day will text and say, hey, man, you all right? What's going on today? And... I think the the general attitude, and I just I wake up smiling, man. Just hung. I'm hungry right now. Hungry as a dog. I, I mean, it's just it's. I get excited to wake up and see what we're gonna accomplish today. And this is when you get down. You know what I mean? Like, God dang it! When things are bad, get up and lead. Do something. Do anything you can to help out. You're gonna survive. You're gonna scratch and claw through the day. I am not sitting at home wondering if Big Mike's is gonna close. We're not letting that happen. That is not gonna happen. What is Big Mike's? It's a restaurant that um, rents from one of our centers. But that's not even on my mind. It's not even on my mind. Mike and I talk all the time. I always will. He's a survivor, too. And he, he, we know. We know we'll get through it. And he's been well aware. We've been talking about these programs for a week now. And finally, today, they'll get voted on and passed. And we'll be just fine. Uh, but it's been awesome, too, to watch our community jump up and start supporting the little guys. I still get mad when I go to Burger King and I pass by because I didn't go. And there's 18 cars in the line. I'm going, well, I don't know what they did for Thibodeau lately, but I'd be shopping at Rouse's because those guys do more for us locally than anyone. Then I still see people at Walmart, and that's fine. I'm not ridiculing for going to Walmart, but understand Walmart's not stepping in and helping us right now. Those guys are tremendously. They always do. I would hope people remember this from this day forward. Remember who's contributing to your town. They're not the other guy. The big guys are not helping you. One thing I want to ask you is, are you a disciplined person or has it become so part of you that discipline is not even something that you consider? And let me tell you why I'm asking. 
all of the disciplines that I tried to incorporate into my life at one time had gotten to the point where I had to force myself to relax a little bit and enjoy some of my success. So when people would ask me like in an interview situation or something like, um, how would you be working from home? We need to talk at a higher level about, about this, you know, because my ambition is, is somewhat on overdrive. Like you, I wake up looking to dominate. And because you and I are that way, we, we have a tough time understanding how people can not be that way and tend to be a little naive. My friend Chase Lambin would be a good example. When he got into the real world, he didn't understand why people weren't like him. Well, he had been around baseball players who were at the professional level who were always working. They didn't need a coach or a boss over their shoulder telling them what to do. And so discipline, once you've done it for 10, 12 years, it becomes part of who you are. You don't have to force yourself really to do anything. You just do it. Like yesterday when my wife and I are running up the levee and running sprints, like we didn't, I didn't even think about, oh, well, I'm a disciplined person, so I'm going to go do this. I've got 15 to 20 years of exercising. There's a pandemic. Like I'm going to find a way around it. Like the gym's closed. Well, we're going to the levee. We're going to run sprints. And she's doing body weight squats and all this stuff. It's just become part of who we are. We don't have to discipline ourselves. And I guess that's part of what habits are. But how do you think about that? I, I struggle with that a lot because I agree. Discipline's just been incorporated to me since I ever since I could remember. I don't wake up thinking I need to be disciplined. I mean, I think I'm waiting what I can cut out, such as TV. I have no cable. I have no direct TV. I don't have anything anymore. I finally got a um, Hulu account so that I could watch ESPN and watch games. But I just think it's who you are, and it's I struggle with it a lot because I know I'm very annoying to be around at times. I, I can't imagine where I struggle is when I dive into something new. Problem's going to be to get back on where I was because now it's like right now the stock market. This is so fresh to me, but I know it's there, and I'm maneuvering my way around. But now I can't get off of it, and I'm saying, Jesus, this is this this may not be so productive for me in the long run. I don't need anything else in my life to possess me anymore. So. Discipline, absolutely. You know, I'm never going to be a late sleeper. I'm never going to be a, a, an avid junk food eater. But where I need to sharpen my tool is staying focused sometimes on one thing instead of jumping to the second, which is what I'm doing right now. Man, it's just sad that a lot of people um, have zero desire, discipline, willpower, will, whatever you want to call it. None. It's not hard to have an edge at all. How do you develop that edge if you don't have it? you got to find a reason. I would assume you've got to find a little motivation or, or a why. What, what, do you, what is my purpose or why? What am I looking for? Mindset. You just mentally can train yourself to believe certain things. I believe that. I believe when I walk in the courtroom, I'm not losing. If I'm getting there, I'm not saying I won't. I'm saying me. I personally will train myself to believe that. And then from that belief comes all these actions and, and or desire becomes the actions. The actions turn into um, product productivity and results. And a lot of times I don't understand why I think that way, but it's just when you, you pound it and it's all you think about. And if you constantly think about how to get better while others are thinking about other things, and it's a very weird thing and, and probably very frustrating for many people. But I've gotten better as I've gotten older. I'm not, again, I don't look at you a lot of times. I look at someone going, dang, it must be nice to 
to not have anxiety right now. But for me, anxiety's my savior. Mm. You know, it's not something I look down upon. I love it. If I wasn't, I didn't have anxiety, I don't know what the hell my purpose would be. Mm. If I'm not getting worked up or worried about something, then I don't care. So to me, it's a huge advantage. <laughs> it sounds crazy. It does because my energy is derived from a completely different place. It has to do with conscientiousness and just wanting to do a good job. And maybe that's taking pride in what I'm doing. But you won't find many grammatical errors on my website. I, I think you have a lot of that, too, because just looking around your house, you've always been sort of a neat freak. You want to make sure everything's in its proper place. Look, I don't mean to cut you off, but look at what I always say about the, the different um, shopping centers I have. We can go right now. And I guarantee you, you will not find a piece of trash there. The grass is always maintained. The flower beds are always weeded. It's mulched. It stays pristine. I hate cigarette butts. Absolutely hate them. And same goes with trash because I think the same thing. I mean, I can't comprehend how someone could take trash and throw it out. But you know what? That same person who's throwing trash on the ground has the same mindset that they're not healthy. You know, they, they all go hand in hand. This is a trickle-down effect I could talk about for two hours, and I'm not. But it's the same type of person, and I'd be willing to bet there's a correlation between lack of success and throwing a bag of McDonald's out of a window. And you know what the answer is? You have zero chance of success. I know that. I never have to speak to you again. If I watch you purposely throw anything, much less fast food, out of a window, you're not on my team. I guarantee you. So, yes, a lot of it is not wanting to fail. And just I, I don't want to be embarrassed and I'm driven by that, which is why I always think that I never, you know, that's what keeps you going. You never think your product's good enough. How can it get better? That'll never stop. I hope it never stops. I think what you're talking about, though, is a different type of anxiety, because for most anxiety is an entirely negative thing. So throughout human history, anxiety has served as a signal that maybe a lion or a tiger was on the savanna and you needed to run for it. So it served a purpose, but it's mostly useless and needs to be redirected. Maybe you're just really good at redirecting that anxiety or allowing it to fuel you, which is what I talked about earlier, taking energies that are self-generated and directing them where it is that you want to go. I think emotional intelligence is largely that. My anxiety is self-imposed. I want to be very clear about that. I always view myself as a lion. You know what I mean? And that's how you have to be. I, I'm not... I'm not there ever feeling sorry. I'm so grateful for my life. There's tons of room for improvement, but I don't have to think very far, man. And I go right back to, you know what I'm going to say. I'm alive. That's all I care about right now. And I got a chance, but don't be twisted on what I'm saying about anxiety. That is not a clutch. That is an absolute ammunition for me. My anxiety is imposed by perfection. I want to be the best at what I do. And that's, let's face it, not very realistic approach, is it? But it doesn't matter because that's what I think. Don't ever tell me I can't do something because I'm going to sit there and go, are you kidding me? What's wrong with you? I don't know if I can or can't, but I genuinely believe it. And when the energy goes in, I deserve to believe it. If I don't deserve it, the energy's not there. I'm not going to perform well. But anxiety for me is an it's, it's gasoline. It's not a clutch by, excuse me, a clutch, a crutch by any stretch of the imagination. I freaking love it. Well, that would be contrary to how most people use anxiety. Sure. Most people are on Facebook right now saying, my anxiety is killing me right now. I'm, I got so much anxiety. And then people commiserate with them and talk about their anxiety, which probably makes it worse. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm interested to hear you said that an area that you could improve was 
you can be a bit multi-focused at one time. Oh, yeah. You have too many things going on. How? What are you doing to try to improve in that area? We, an uh, investing group of mine, we had, uh, shoot, they're up to 13 residential properties now. And so one way that I had to do that, I got out of that sector, not because it wasn't doing, it was, it was performing well. Uh, it, was, it was getting to a point where there was so much on the plate, I'm going, I've got to get down and, and hone back in. And what I'm going to focus on is going to be commercial property in the property world and get away from the residential world, not because, again, it wasn't performing. The properties were in another parish, and I didn't. My guys lived in Terrebonne Parish there, and I felt like it was unfair of them, I mean, of me, to if things went bad in a pipe bust or anything, that I couldn't be there immediately to help like they were. We have never had a disagreement. We never didn't get along. I simply, those guys ended up saying, um, dude, if you want, what do you want? I said, no, whatever I got in. I don't want a dollar. It was never an issue, anything bad other than for me personally, it was one more thing. And I'm going, dang, this is, I got a lot of moving parts right now. Let me hone these suckers in and get really good at what I'm doing here. And then I can move on. Not that I'm really good at it, but I'm learning more and more about it. So many tactics. You know, we talked today about the ability it's allowed to do where we talked about the um, paying off a property that I had. And you're going, you're looking at it in one facet. And you're saying, man, why did I do that? Because everybody wants a bunch of dry powder for the market, right? Cash is king. But the beauty of it is because it was a second home, it was an abandoned house. So I don't want to act like some luxurious second home. It clearly was not. The point of saying that is you're not going to get that interest rate you would on your primary residence. So we knock it out free and clear. But see, what people don't realize is now, A, that didn't devalue just like any other money I had in the market in the last two months. It maintained value. And if I want to borrow against it now, now, because the feds went to, they cut their reserve rate to 3.75, I'll come in. And if I want to borrow against that property, It'll now be in the threes, not at 575. So look at what's going on there. Now you've paid it off. You've paid it off. And now I can use it as collateral to secure a line of credit if I wanted the money back. But I just got it at a better rate. It makes all the sense in the world. But in the meantime, I'm not paying anything on it. You know, and it's so it's it's just learning to hone in your portfolio and the properties I have now that are there or or raw pieces of land. We just have one residential complex left of um four apartments and the rest is commercial property. And then there I've got, you know, my stuff in Arkansas with Cash River and here we are on the stock market now and it's that that's focused that's been my sole attention in um, the last I guess 10 days, 2 weeks. So it's been a very educational for me right now and that's the opportunity that I found in this going, okay, this is terrible. What am I going to do about this? And now I know I'm going, Jesus, this is a whole nother avenue of income. And you got it just hitting a bunch of singles. I'm not trying to hit a home loan here. I'm not trying to find the, the cure and invest in it. I'm not trying to invest in a mask company or Clorox or a hand sanitizer company. I'm investing in companies with strong, strong financials that are plush with cash that, as we stated earlier, strictly a result of a perfect storm of Saudi Arabia, Russia in 19. And you're getting them at a very discounted rate right now. This is not rocket science to make money here. Again, I'm not saying I'm savvy anything. I simply took a position in SPY. I said every $10 increment it goes down, I'm going to adjust and go accordingly. And that's what I did. And you position. And if it goes down, you position more, you leverage, you leverage. And now all of a sudden my cost dollar average across the board, you know, is better than it is worse, but I didn't, I'm not, how, who the hell's going to predict the bottom? So that's how, that was my method. And that turned into some, you know, different stocks with Apple, Allstate, Aflac, you know, but primarily index funds. I know you said you don't like them, but I do because I'm not going to be an everyday stock market guy and I'm learning quickly. That's not my deal. 
but I knew that I had to strike right now. Because when I look back, if I can leave the money I put in there and watch it in 20 years, it'll pay huge dividends, um, at least huge in my little world. But you don't have to take a blueprint from any other than Warren Buffett. How easy is it? Do exactly what he said to do. Get greedy when they're fearful. And what does he do? He invests in, 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 in companies that are sound companies. He's not gambling on the next home run. I've quickly learned, Matt, do not try and hit a home run here. That is the worst thing you can do. Be consistent here. And if you do that, we'll be fine. I'll move on. And when this happens again, if it ever happens again of some sort of nature, I'll be right ready to jump back in. And I'm never going to buy high. I mean, dude, we just got out of a deal there where we were about to build a substantial complex in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Think about that. Also, we were in the rental sector looking at it in Orange Beach and all those little things, certain things that pulled me away. Look at where I could have been right now versus where, but at least had the foresight to come in and say something's not right. Smell test isn't there. And I had a good buddy of mine who told me, he said, Matt, the market's way too high regarding Orange Beach. He said, don't do it. I had this conversation on my way to Orange Beach. I went to Orange Beach. It never left my head. He said, there's going to be opportunities. Stay plush. I did. This deal in Carlsbad, New Mexico, you think I want a part of the basin right now? No, I'm not saying it doesn't come back at all. Just, you know, it cycles all the time. But thank God I did. Here we are. And you come back in and you say, look, I'm going to take that and I'll, I'll pay a debt off. And good, because otherwise it had been in the market. I'd have lost 40%, 50%. And I didn't. And now if I wanted, I can still borrow against it. But it's just real life examples that are very common sense approaches going, holy cow, look how this worked. This is crazy. And very grateful that some things worked the way they did, because if not, this would be a different story. I'm going to clear a few things up. SPY is a ticker symbol, SPY, and I am a fan of index funds. You and, said you weren't. No, I am, definitely. <laughs> oh, I thought you said you were. Okay. And yeah, it a parish that. is a county. I think Louisiana is the only state in the That's union correct. that calls counties parishes. It's possible that this downturn could last a long time. Sure. So right now we're projecting, I, I think the president said a few months, maybe by Easter what I'm hoping is that we slowly phase the economy back in. We let people who are under 60 years old get back to work and slowly start phasing people in to where we get the economy booming again. Do you have any concern that you go all in too quickly? Because, you know, we may have to quarantine for eight months. We don't really know at this point. It's very uncertain. No, I'm not. And the reason is, and I should have prefaced this caveat, what I put in the market, it's nothing I was prepared. Um, I'm prepared to never look at in 20 years. I want to be very clear about that. Again, I'm trying to hit a single. If this lasts 10 years till we come out of this, then it does. But I still know where I got these companies at. In history, man, just look at the, all you got to do is track it. And just it constantly, since the duration has gone up and up and up, and up and up, however long since you could track the S&P. And you can say about any other fund as well. But, you know, I mean, all that, all I'm doing is mirroring the S&P 500. As the economy goes, it goes. And I am not, if I don't, if I have to leave it in for 10 years, that's my plan anyway. You know, and it's not a, um, I would never put in what I didn't need for tomorrow. And it's not, again, like I'm, I'm, oh man, I don't need any money. Of course, every dollar counts. But I'm in a little different situation where I can take a few more risks, if you want to call it that, just due to lack of children. Um, still, I'm not even married yet. You know, so I, I get to take a few more calculated risks than most. 
But no, I'm not. That's not a concern. Although, can it happen? You dang right, it could happen. I'm not saying we come out of this tomorrow and you make a bunch of money at all. I am prepared to have this money brew for 20, 25 years. And I say that with no. My plan going in had a set number, and it was going in some type of fund. My buddy and I kind of mirrored each other, and we kind of went the direction we wanted with the amount. That's where it's going to be, and I'm going to ride ride with it. But it's not. It's just another section of a portfolio, and that's been the the upside I found of this terrible situation is it allowed me to scour that and say, that's the piece. That's the other part of this pie that I need to diversify. And I can't explain how critical this situation has been in understanding diversification, meaning a piece of paid off property. Well, that property didn't then go down. But two years ago, you're saying, damn, I didn't sell that property yet. Or I should have sold that property or that money could have been in the market. But you do have money in the market. You do have money that's uh, uh, commercial investing. You do have resident uh, tenants. But look, these are the downsides right now. I'm going to have people that are going to say, Matt, I can't pay you this month. And that's okay. We're going to work together and we'll get through it. But that's the downside that people don't see of investing from the real estate side. Uh, but the beauty of it is on one where you pay a lot off and then you all of a sudden you get a better interest rate because you paid it off. That's not something I find that people can kind of comprehend on putting a little bit everywhere. I didn't get that. I mean, I got that through through pure accident going, OK, I get this. Now I'm looking at this saying this is great. The house here, that didn't lose any value. Probably not, at least. And if it did, it was minimal compared to the um, SEP IRA that's with a certain company right now. It got drilled. Who cares? I'm not looking at that. I don't intend to look at that until probably never. You know, so I mean, truly, it's it's a very important lesson for me. So many moving parts. I'm going, holy cow, this is great how this happened. It's great in the um, lesson learning tool bag for me. Not great in the sense of what we're going through. Really crazy is all I can say of how this has all come down. So who knows what's next? Well, part of the beauty of investing in real estate is that it probably has gone down. You just don't know it. Right. And when you invest in real estate, unlike with stocks where you can check the ticker symbols at any moment on your phone, real estate is not only a forced savings, but it lacks the liquidity of a stock investment. So it's a great way to diversify for those reasons. And it's easily attainable to, to if you needed the money to borrow against. It's not hard. It's a collateral. It's, it's collateral for a secured loan. It's free and clear. So, you know, when you talk about liquidity, okay, maybe not in the realm of a sale, but if it's an emergency... You can go get money and borrow against it. Let me tell you some of the feedback I got from our last episode. Somebody said that you said that work-life balance is a fraud. You called it bullshit, and I don't know about that. Man, this is a message that I got on social media. I think you can strike a balance between work life and family life if both are important to you. I'm going to give my answer to that question first. And then, well, I don't know if there was a question. There was more of a statement, but (laughs) I want to elaborate on what I said. And then I want to ask you your thoughts. Success is relative. And what he deems success, you and I may not. The way I look at success is fulfilling your potential. If you're worth, you know, a person who could generate thousands of jobs for people, and you're sitting at home watching Netflix, you are not successful, right? Because you have a lot more value to provide the world. So I, I see success. I mean, my, my definition is evolving through the years, but I sort of see it as how much are you fulfilling your potential? How much are you contributing to the world uh, that you're capable of? Because you're blessed with a certain level of aptitude and different talents. And are you utilizing those talents to the best of your ability? And so that's kind of how I see success now. So I was referring to those who are 
more like one in a thousand type successes. Uh, the person who contacted me happens to be a, I believe he's a physical therapist, very you know, successful guy, makes six figures, has a nice family. That's not the sort of success that I was talking about. I was talking about those who really set themselves apart, like maybe start a business and they're, they're working 60, 70 hours a week or they're working nights and weekends doing something in addition to their regular job, not just working 40 hours a week, coming home, investing in their retirement plan. There's a lot of people that are doing that. I'm talking about those who really have like the Mamba mentality where opportunity cost always applies, where they know that if I'm going to build this great business, it's going to require sacrificing some family time. And I'm going to have to talk with my wife and kids ahead of time and let them know, hey, we're going to build this great business. I realize it's going to take me away from the family for a lot of nights and weekends, but I'll make it up to you. This is what I, this is the vision for the future. And part of that is leadership and selling them on that idea. But as David Goggins says, you have to be obsessed. And so that's sort of how I think of one in a thousand type success is those who are just consumed by what it is that they're building and want to achieve. How do you think about that? Something I've picked up on, it's exactly the lines with the caveat of doing, setting out what you intended to achieve and still maintaining the personal side of things, not being the dictator. And I'll tell you why I'm saying that. Stephanie, who is, for those that don't know here, is my fiance, works for a company that has been uber successful. Her boss is a fellow named Thad Rasponi, who I've, I barely know, but I've been so impressed. This guy has it together, but the way he makes his employees feel, even and I've heard he's a great, fantastic family fellow as well, for multiple people, not just her. But I know the little things that he does for her, and I know how valuable he is to that company and how hard he works and how he maintained that. And he's always consistent. So his level of success didn't come with a penalty of being an asshole. You know, and I, that a lot of times, let's face it, some of the uber successful people are complete dicks because you're so consumed. Look at Nick Saban. I think we referenced him last time, but just one example of many. This guy's been able to maintain this perfect work-life balance would be a real influence. You know, just it's very hard to explain, but that's something I, I've picked up on and I, I try and emulate because I know how it makes her feel when he does something nice for her. And I try and do the same things and remind people he's very uh, grateful for everyone there. I mean, this is a man in charge of probably a thousand people and they all feel important because you know what I mean? He's never lost that sense of touch with those people while maintaining what he set out to achieve. So to me, that's an ultimate definition of successful. I love I want to interject there because I love what you said. When Kobe was interviewed on Lewis Howe's podcast, he was asked what his definition of greatness was. And he said, when you inspire somebody who inspires somebody who inspires somebody. And when that happens, it doesn't die. It doesn't die with you. And of course, he tragically died this year. But you and I have talked about how much he has inspired us. The fact that your fiance's boss has provided by his way of being an example of how you want to how you want to amend your own way of leading is incredible. And he has no idea he's done it to me. We haven't spoken more than 10 minutes. He made me feel so damn special. 
Yeah, I'm like, but that's who he does. He's just got that innate ability. That's what I'm understanding quickly, and now I know why. Because he's genuine, and he's grateful, and he's just a hard worker who gets it done. There's no BS, but still never forgot the little people. You know who else has got that? You know why Nichols State University is thriving in their Coach baseball Rebo. and football programs? Yeah, it's because of their coaches. Yep. When Coach Rebo came to visit us in Houston, he treated us like my wife and I, like five, I was a five-star recruit. And I was just coming to chat with the team. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. I mean, just so personable, sitting down and looking at you in the eye and listening to what you're saying and concerned about where you're going and where you've been. I just... Like, man, I would run through a wall for this dude. But that's what it is. It emanates from sincerity and gratitude because he was very grateful that we came to to talk to the team. So that's awesome. Man, I can't believe you just mentioned the Black Mamba. <laughs> you a fan? Huge. Yeah. You know, he got such a – in my world, I see the other side of that whole deal. And there is no quote that I can think of or no cue on a particular – video than what I sent you. I've sent several people that remembers that I think more 440 if I remember correctly of whatever it was that tribute that I sent you where he talks about where the black the, the mama mentality came from. And let me say that I was in an airport. I got that book, The Mama Mentality. I just saw it. I ended up buying it and I read it and, and I, I was un, mind blown at how hard this dude worked. I never knew this before. I mean, I guess looking back, you can put two and two together. It's, again, just one of the one of the greats, but don't think it was just talent. So in that video, he talks about it and he, that what drives him out of mentality. What he's referencing is at that point in time where he was accused of rape. People will probably you know, come down to me for saying accused of rape. Yes, that's clearly what I just said. Accused of rape. Man, I, I do this for a living. I can't tell you how many times it's been BS because of an angle. And it's ultimately been proven. And you know what? It never goes away. Either you had a good lawyer or the case sucked. You never that you didn't do it. You know what I mean? So he got very frustrated at that time. There ends up being a settlement to him, which was peanuts. But of course you do to move on with your life. Um, And I'm not condoning the infidelity by any stretch of the imagination. He never once denied that. But there's people who can see both ways um, that this may or may not have gone down the way that some certain people said it did. Be that as it may. He looks at and it's the most sincere portion. I, I mean... It'll give you chills when you look at it. And he says, I came to this point in time and it stops. And he looks at the camera and he said, and I, I thought to myself, fuck everybody. And it just, it, it makes you stop. That's what he said. I don't fuck everybody, man. Whoever gets in my way, I will destroy you. And he didn't mean that in a you know negative way. In other words, don't even try and be my competition. And he tells that story about Jason Williams, who thought he was going to be there early. Like chocolate? No, not that one. <laughs> the Duke one who got in the uh, uh, motorcycle accident. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Chicago Bulls. So he for the Bulls, when he's playing for the Bulls, he gets to the – is it the Staples Center? Yeah, in L.A. In mm-hmm. L.A. Kobe's there, first one there. And, and Williams thought he was going in early. I think he goes by Jay Williams because of the white chocolate. Prob- yeah, correct. So Kobe refused to leave. And so Jason Williams eventually just fizzles out. Hours, like six hours later, Kobe would not leave. And the minute he stopped and saw that he succumbed to his will, he asked him, why? He goes, just to let you know, you will never, ever outwork me. Ever. 
You think it's not intentionally derived where you're letting people know, I'm up earlier and I'm staying later? Don't ever get that confused. And if you can, you can. But that people are playing mind games with other people, letting them know you're not, you can go as hard as you want. Some people are just built to go harder. And that's what he was letting them know. But anyway, th- that was tragic, man. I never thought for once as some public figure passed away and it was, you know, and I felt like I knew him. And I think the world felt like that, you know, because how influential was this fella? It's crazy. And it's still, I still think about it to this day. It, um, it didn't go away. Not every day, but I still think about it. I do too. <laughs> so I do too. I don't talk about the mentality that I have very much. I think that with me, it's a quiet confidence and it's a, it's an attitude of, I think of myself like as Mike Tomlin, but sometimes the way that I joke about things, people think I'm sort of like carrot top, but I have that mentality too, that like, you're not going to outwork me, but I'm not going to tell you that. Right. He did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, he did. And he showed him. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was clear. Do you have an internal monologue? Look, if you got inside of my head, you would be very confused. And I've, I've had multiple people tell me that, man, I cannot figure you out. I don't want you to figure me out. You're not, I didn't ask you to figure me out. But part of me says that's an edge. You know, I have to satisfy me. And that is very difficult. I can't do that. I never have. Satisfying myself is never going to happen. Hence the anxiety. Hence the desire to just keep going and do something different. Always be different. But the monologue is, is generally you're not doing enough. That message resonates loud and clear with me on the daily. Do you think that I'm like you in that way at all, in terms of being tough to figure out? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, I think people view both of us as very weird, Mm. generally. What are the advantages, you think, of us being bachelors until we were almost 40 years old? Seeing the world. Listening to your friends, the version of me 10 years ago versus now or five years ago versus now, that's a huge edge, man, because you can you when I started doing this um, practicing law, there was a lot of divorce work initially. And, you know, I don't touch it anymore, but it was so much immaturity and it made me a better person. But I was that person. I'm not making fun of them. I, I did the same crap. But you get a chance to invest a little bit more. You know, set yourself up for the future a little bit faster, I think. You set yourself up to possibly get out the grind a little bit earlier. But yeah, man, I, I don't know how that, I don't know where I'd be right now if I was anywhere but where I am. What adjustments do you think you'll have to make after you're married? I, I like to be alone. Solitude is where I get everything done. And that's hard for me. To, that's probably hard for her to comprehend. Um, I think she gets it. But yeah, I mean, that's that's where I think that's where I spend ideas. And I really love solitude. And it's not that you don't love other people, but I like my, my solitude at times. It, look, if it wasn't for her, I could easily say it doesn't matter to me if I get married in my life. And I'm not kidding when I say that. Luckily, I found someone who I am excited to share my life with versus the opposite is what if? Well, if I didn't meet her, I would be fine, man. Nothing would have changed. I'm just going to keep on trucking. That's truly how it was. I didn't think every day saying, man, I'm, I'm alone. It never crossed my mind, ever. I'm, I'm thinking, go look at the opportunity this is creating. Even at Christmas time when you see Christmas everybody. was the worst. Sorry to cut you mm. off. Christmas was the worst. That was the one day. And it really wasn't bad until my brother was always who I hung out with for Christmas. 
Always. He was single too, right? Never married? Yeah, he was in a serious relationship, and that kind of ended right at about the time the story. Thank God it did. I mean, he just he wouldn't have put anybody through that. But yeah, we, we that was our Christmas. It was he and I all the time? We we wherever we were, and then so that that those last four just very depressing time. Um, certainly for my mom too. So it just wasn't a Christmas wasn't a good day. You kind of wanted to get it over with. It went from being the most exciting day, Christmas Eve, and now we had a good one this past year. It was really good. Finally. But that was the one day, and I swear on him that the minute that passed, it was back to business. So it, you know, that's gonna be my biggest adjustment for sure. No questions about it. Being around someone more than I usually am. <laughs> on the episode we did previously called When Pain Becomes Power, I got a message about me being happy. I think one of the things I said was that for me, happiness is interchangeable with peace. Peace is something I want for myself because I don't want my brain to be running a, a million miles an hour. It's the old adage of monkeys running around in your head throwing feces at each other. That's not what I want for myself. So I'm always trying to cultivate peace in my own mind because I think it will rub off on other people. So one of the guests that I had a few episodes ago was Vincent McGarry. One of the things I learned from him at a very early age was he had a calming influence on people because he wasn't very reactive. It was almost like Barry Bonds taking a pitch that was two inches below the strike zone where he would just look down at it and just spit on it like it's not that's not what I'm looking for. Whereas you and I might be jumping at that pitch. Well, he was the type that if you left the house and your son forgot something, he would just say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll go back and get it. And I always kind of admired that about him because I'd never been around someone like that that could take things so easily. So it is something that I've worked on. I think that now because of the precarious times that we're going through, I think it would be the perfect opportunity to pay attention to what's going on in your own mind and, and put your phone in the other room and practicing recognizing what you're thinking and what you're feeling. My wife and I, I think my, we're staying with my mom right now, and I think she would She's impressed that we don't fight. I mean, the only little argument we've had was because she had a hamburger and asked me if I wanted a bite. And the bite was so, I mean, the hamburger was so thick that I had to open my mouth a good ways to get it in my mouth. And of course, that looked like I was taking too big a bite. And so she was like, really? Like, you're going to eat half my hamburger? But hey, um, you know, that's how that's how big the burger was. So yeah, I get it. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, that's I mean that's evolving for me too. The what is happiness to me, and it really is just a piece that I think comes from within. But it starts with getting everything in order. Your physical health. Um, I think that the body and mind are interconnected, um, and there's just a lot of things that you can do to to sharpen yourself up in those areas. I wrote about recently that Charles Duhigg wrote a book called The Power of Habit. And he talks about keystone habits. And for me, the keystone habit is the exercise that from which all other good habits flow. So right now is a tough time because you can't get into your regular habits. Um, do you have anything that you're doing right now that would be out of the norm exercise-wise to keep you f uh, physically and mentally sharp? I have that the half Ironman in May. We don't even know if that's going anymore. So the pool shut down. My bike is in the shop, and all I have is running now. So I figure the opportunity I'll take now is where I was really struggling, is uh, running. Mm. You know, conditioning for that end of that half has been tough on me. And so that, but in the last three days, as a matter of fact, the last 72 hours, I feel like I'm getting out of routine, and it's very frustrating. And part of that is I'm scouring that damn market. And it's, I'm telling you, if you look at my phone right now, starting as early as 4.30, there's messages going on of what happened on the pre-market. Mm. And it's it's consuming so much. Normally, I'd go run. I'd go knock out four or five miles in the morning. 
the last two or three, I've been up as usual, but clearly pounding that thing. I'm going, this is not good for me. <laughs> i got to calm this down. Have you ever thought about the fact that all vices, such as gambling, promiscuity, all of those things at one time were once virtues? No, I never thought of that. Yeah, I think throughout human, human history, the man who was willing to take a lot of risk, the man who could was had virility and could spread his seed, those were all things that got us to where we are now. And those are all vices now that we have to control. <laughs> well, you, you use the word gambling. I was talking about the stock market. I'm calculated gambling. <laughs> Dude, with all the volatility right now, if you're jumping in and you're planning to get out anytime soon, then you're gambling. The most popular diversified stock fund that I know of is a Vanguard fund. The ticker symbol is VTSAX. It's Vanguard Total Stock Market Index. But don't quote me on that. Do your own homework. You want to do some fun questions? Yeah. Who would win a governor's race between Drew Brees and Ed Ogeron? Oh, man. Got to be Drew. <laughs> but that's a good one. That, that's good. <laughs> Could you ever work for somebody who is 10 years younger than you? Probably. Mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, for me, age is just habits is what I respect. You know, mm -hmm. So if you treated someone right and... You had proper habits. I'm sure I could. Could you work for someone who works less hard than you do? No. Never? Never. Not a shot. I've done that, and it's very, very hard. At last eight minutes. Probably with most people, but still. It, especially when they try to tell you what to do. Or... Look, it just boils down to you if you respect them or not. And that's yeah. it. If you respect them, you'll work hard for them. If you don't, you're not going to be there long. That's true. Are there any sorts of things that you do in your business to try to garner the respect of your employees? Yes. Certainly try to remind them they're very valuable in all the positive things they do. Um, that was a lesson from Dale Carnegie. The most, that's the lesson. The, I believe that was in the seven highly, seven habits of highly effective people. I'm, I'm most positive is that book, but talking about, Covey. that's right. That's right. The um, it most certain was in that book that principles talked about where the whole moral is you get the most out of someone by not necessarily coming down and criticizing, but you got to remind them first of what they're doing very well. And then you can, you know, navigate around and see what needs to be changed. But always remind them that they are doing really good things start the conversation with that and that's that's been well and it is true I mean, i'm super appreciative i love ours ours are awesome i wouldn't change our team for the world not now that's true not only of work relationships but even in your personal relationships if you were to criticize your significant other you want to couch it in terms of positivity first and then slide in there what it is that's bothering you and then maybe close with more positivity and I've always heard that you want to praise specifically, but criticize generally. You want to criticize verbally and praise in writing. I want to play the game with you that I played with Michael Dalbar, which he was an excellent guest. He asked me what the last two notes in my phone were. So what are the last two notes in your phone? Let's see. 
my password to Motley Fool. <laughs> and then all of my podcast notes from you and I on March 7th. Okay, so I have notes, notes from my coaching clients, so that's not fair. The third one down is I'm helping someone to craft an email because I emphasize nowadays that written communication is now most of communication. So you better get really good at it. One of the blog posts that I recommend to them is called The Day I Became a Better Writer. And it's written by Scott Adams and it's really short, but it it helps a lot. So I encourage everyone who's trying to become a better writer, Google The Day I Became a Better Writer and I'll include it in the show notes. So you're on The Motley Fool a lot, huh? I just, this is recent. Yeah. Looking for some advice in the market. I feel like it's, it's content. I don't like how they blast you with continuous solicitations. But for someone like me, it's been it's been fun reading it. How can people connect with you online? Uh, we have AMO Title Services. Is www.amotitleservices.com. We have amotriallawyers.com. Uh, Instagram handles or uh, at AMO Trial Lawyers, and then amo.services. or amo.title.services. Excellent. I hope that people come away from this ready to take action. We did this podcast hoping to inspire people to do what we're doing, which is using this time to better ourselves and position ourselves better for the future. Uh, We're making some investments. I'm going to finish with a quote from Seneca. This is from The Shortness of Life. He says, putting things off is the biggest waste of life. It snatches away each day as it comes and denies us the present by promising the future. The greatest obstacle to living is expectancy, which hangs upon tomorrow and loses today. You are arranging what lies in fortune's control and abandoning what lies in yours. What are you looking at? To what goal are you straining? The whole future lies in uncertainty. Live immediately. That's Seneca. Matt, thank you for coming on the podcast, buddy. Thanks, man. I hope nobody took this in any type of uh, negative manner. It's simply saying we, we both, I think, agree the complete terrible nature of the situation, and we are just talking about ways that we can improve in such a situation and, and stay positive without undermining a single death or single person or single family who is affected by this. Anyone on the front lines are clearly uh, in our minds and we're certainly grateful and thankful for them. And we know they're going to do their job and pull us through and we'll be back on track. Couldn't have said it better myself. Please continue to support your local restaurants. Give a big thank you to, me- to medical professionals and others who are providing services And those who are keeping the world turning at this time, you know, politicians are working real hard too. They're public servants. So thank you. Thank you for listening. If you wish to follow my adventures on Instagram and Twitter, I am at man underscore overseas. Thank you, folks. 